Hello and welcome to Sister Love. This is Red or Rainbow, your favorite, here to join in and share about issues, concerns, celebrations, and just things that are really relevant to the BIPOC woman or black and brown identified women. Thank you for joining me today. This season has been an interesting season. I intended it to be collab only. But as you see, there's been a turn of events and it's just real life showing up. Um, You will probably hear my voice a little bit more often until I'm at a place where, for those that don't know, I'm in a dissertation process, um, getting ready to complete my final year of graduate school for a doctorate program. And with that being said, I had to get real about self super fast last spring And it was by having a conversation with somebody I've had on here before, Chelsea, one of my little favorites, um, about giving yourself permission to know when you need to slow down, when you need to rest, or when you need to pivot. And so I pivoted this summer and I realized that I wasn't going to finish season four of the podcast the way that I intended, but I was going to be true to reflection and sharing and bringing some of the stories or some of the the things that we wrestle with, but we may not say outside of like in the kitchen with our homegirls or people, you know, your favorite cousin or some, uh, some person that you really trust your personal stories with. So anyway, that brings me to today. And I am going to kick off a confession series. And these are really good confessions. Um, some of them may catch you off guard. Maybe they won't. But I can't help but think I was somewhere else in the world and um, it was class and I made a joke with somebody because they used to wear confessions. And so and some of you all may know Usher's on tour. Well, not on tour, but he has a residency in Las Vegas for a period of time. And so I thought about today and a couple of things that I want to share. And I'm like, "Mm hmm, we're about to launch the confessions and reflection series where I dig deep. Um, You'll hear my voice. I'm going to try to get a couple other folks on here to talk about some confessions that they've come into as a result of either the pandemic um, or when I say the pandemic, a lot of us have reimagined what's important to us in terms of values and beliefs. And that shifted where we've put our energy, where we put our time, where we put our money. And so I'm going to get some other folks on here to kind of share what their confessions are. But it wouldn't be me if the messenger didn't share their message first. So that brings me to what confessions do I have circa summer 21? So what we do know is it was not a hot girl summer for this one. Shout out to all of y'all that were, y'all are bold. Y'all are brave and y'all are daring. Some of y'all were all over the globe in places I ne- I can't even pronounce Hey, I didn't have that courage. I'm not looking down on y'all. I'm just saying I tilt my hat. I've watched people live their best lives. And hey, shout out to you. Um, That was not your girl. Um, I lived my best current life, which was being real about time and money and what I want next. And that brings me to my confession. Sometimes you still hurt. Are you still hurting? I went through... Several searches this summer, I was at the cross uh, walk road in my life where I was trying to determine, am I walking away from higher ed? Am I getting out of student affairs? Am I getting out of Chicago? There's a disconnect between my feelings. I can't quite name all this angst and animosity I have, but I'm not good. 
and I'm not perfect now, but I've walked a, I've walked a road of reflection that has helped me get a little more clarity around where I stand. And here's where I stand. I went through a couple of um, interview pieces, um, private sector, higher ed. I declined a lot of stuff. I went through an amazing interview process with an institution I'm not going to name. I have the utmost respect and love for those folks. And the primary person who led the search, I hope I can get her on here. And if I don't, nothing but love for her. Um, She was the most inclusive and intentional, supportive interviewer. She created the process. And we and Harriet do a lot of book reading and conversations and dialogues. She took all that and she put that into my process. When I tell you, I felt like this institution saw me and heard me and valued me. And I know that even though I didn't go for it, they do. But I, where I'm going with this is that process brought out a lot of me. Like y'all, the day of my virtual interview, I was supposed to do a presentation of thing. Y'all, I want y'all to know. This is my interfaith moment. And for those that's relevant, great. For those that's not, just bask in the fact that I'm joyful. Um, That morning, 4 o'clock, I was going to get up to rehearse and make sure my nerves. Because, you know, juggling school, juggling, trying to start my literature review. Like, all this other stuff. I was frazzled. Anxiety through the roof. And for me, usually when interviews come through... I may be anxious and nervous, but it's because I care, but I can usually get myself in a place of flatness or flat-footedness where I'm about to, like, knock this thing out. Y'all, I want y'all to know 4 o'clock in the morning, I lost power. I couldn't get out of my building's garage. I had to take a bird bath because I was afraid my hot water heater wasn't going to have enough. Y'all, I tried everything to get out of my building because at that point, I don't have anything that I can interview with, like... My um, cell phone internet's not going to be enough to carry a streaming video. And so I frantically start using crisis management. I'm letting this team know like, hey, we're an hour apart from each other, but here's what's happening in Chicago with the weather. Y'all, it was about eight or nine o'clock before I heard from them. And they were so loving and kind and affirming. Like they wanted to make sure I was okay. The interviewer who was responsible for the whole process, the the hiring manager, she would not let me go for it. She was just like, "You're, we're going to make sure you can put your best foot forward. That's what's needed. And so you go take care of you because how are we living out our values if real life happens and we don't show up for it? Y'all, how many times have you worked somewhere and folks was like, but can you still come in? Or, but can you still run a marathon? Or, but can you still pay this black tax? Oh, y'all not ready for that black tax conversation. We'll have it sooner than later. So anyway, so on and so forth, when it's time for me to have my makeup interview, knocked it out of the box. It wasn't me. I'm always going to say it's my faith. And it was the same thing. My faith showed up. God knew whatever, whatever. I didn't need to interview that day. So it didn't happen. And even if that's a natural cause that comes through, and I know some of y'all are like, that's outlandish. Nope, that's my faith. Um, and where I'm going with that is we got to an offer. I was extending the opportunity. Um, and I will say it was to do DEI work and I wanted to do it, but there was this nagging feeling I had and I couldn't get past it. And then a couple of days out before I could like really hear back from the folks, 
there was something that was really triggering that happened to me in the job. And I was ready to quit everything. Like, it ripped my soul apart. And no black woman identified leader should ever have to go through this. But I went through this. And it was disgusting. It was ugly. It was nasty. And it made me lose faith in humanity. It really made me lose faith in myself. Um, I lost so much steam. Like, I lost color in my eye. Like, that's a metaphoric phrase for those who don't know. Just that I was no longer thriving. Like, I was trying to survive. All that just came to a standstill. Um, That wonderful presentation, all that connection. I ended up in an emergency room for some health stuff that I just needed to address. And the day that I got out of the emergency room, I had gotten a call back from the the largest person that was going to, you know, give me the things that I had asked for and a counter offer. Like, I didn't even let that person get their counter offer out. I was like, it's a no. And it's not you. I got to, I literally, y'all, I did this with low blood sugar. I'm coming out of the hospital. I haven't had time to eat. I got my boss trying to call me and I did it. And I was already near tears because I knew I was going to break this person's heart. I was going to break the organization's heart. And I say that with pause. I know that's a lot of like, Coretta, you just taking on a lot. Mm, it is. But I'm also one of those people, I know what I'm feeling in the atmosphere and he was sad and that's not my responsibility. Their emotions, you know, this is a business, this is a job. But when you see what could be, it's hard to walk away from it, right? But I saw what could be, but I also knew where I was because of the way that I was mishandled the week before at my job. I knew a year from then, if I had accepted that job, I'd be still trying to leave there. And I wasn't willing to stair step. I wasn't willing to take a small move and still be angry and bitter and resentful and almost rageful within the field that I work. So I was like, no, it's a no, because this is life showing up. This is the real pandemic, not COVID, but racism, gendered sexism. I mean, gendered racism, sexism, misogynoir, misogyny, um, fragility, just lack, deficit. And where did this go? Why am I telling you now? I boohooed on the phone, um, eventually to my sisters, but I had to have my conversation, you know, why I can say this. My boss, he got his, we both knew we were in a process. He got his good news the same day and I couldn't even really celebrate. Like, you know, obviously I said, congratulations. I'm happy that that's working out for you. But he came to a call where I had to just go ahead and tell him, like, I'm super upset. I just had to turn down an opportunity of a lifetime and I got to get out of this field. And I said it at the screaming at the top of my lungs, crying, falling apart, because at that point I was just sick of it. I was just sick of all the isms that in my field, black women have to come in. And people say, yes, let's work through these black women's strong schemas. We don't have to do that. Yeah, we do. Because some of y'all won't even help yourself stop hurting us. But that's a conversation for another day. Why you can't stop hurting yourself, hurting yourself, hurting us? You need help. That's why. But let me focus. And then I had that I'm a failure, like, text message. And, you know, basically at that point, I just fell apart. And I needed to. It was that fateful fall apart that lets you get clear on what you've been holding back 
What I was holding back was my animosity. What I was holding back was my feelings. What I was holding back was rage at all the invalidation, all the um, poking holes. Excuse me. Every time I speak and offer an idea, the extra critic that never has that when a white person stands up, especially a white male identified person, all the extra scrutiny on my work, all the, are you sure, you know, in terms of my leadership, just the, the brunt of what is racism and white supremacy. At some point it can want, it can grind you down for those who are old school, like a pencil sharpener on the wall back in 83. Like it can grind a good number two pencil. Ooh, shout out to my soft lead pencils. Um, it can grind you down. And that's where I was. But bigger than that, I was nasty for the next two weeks. Like, I I mean, I didn't, you know, take it out on folks, but I didn't hold back. And it wasn't until, I want to say these last couple of weeks, reading the right scripture for me, hearing the right sermons, entertaining the right conversations. And a shout out to Chelsea again. She um, nudged me to join this, um, women identified group to work on attachment styles and integrating that in your life. And here's what I close with. I was still hurting because I haven't forgave nobody. And it came because I was hearing somebody saying in the sermon, it was probably T.D. Jakes or his daughter, Sarah Jakes, or it could have been one other person, but it was like, I heard something they said. And it walked me through like I was still holding on to every slight, every microaggression, every micro insult. And I was at day one with every one of those pain points. And I hadn't gotten over it. And I wanted somebody to pay for all the injustice that had been done to me. And I was going to collect until I thought the debt had been paid. And goodness, that ain't no way to live. And so what had to happen? That's where I'm at now. I vowed from that point that I wouldn't let anybody bring me out of character and trigger me the way that I was triggered. It's okay to be triggered. But what I learned from that trigger was a reminder of, here's why you were triggered. And here's the root of why you were triggered. Now you can stop fighting demons that you ain't got to fight no more. Now you can stop fighting for approval on your parents by ways that you don't even realize infuse your day-to-day. That's the detachment stuff. I also realized that I didn't, I don't have a nearby fill-up station. I'm in Georgia right now as I record this. Georgia is my filling station, but in my mind, I kept feeling like I, I'm finna get with Chicago. I was just passing through anyway. Let me get back to my real place. It's Georgia, Georgia born, Georgia bred, Georgia returned. And I come to realize, like, I love my home state. I'm always going to love it, but this is my filling station. You know, the community that I love about here and I'm always bragging about, my journey that I think God has given me is to take what I've learned about being a Georgian and showing up for other people, being in community as an African-American person with Native roots and all this other stuff. Take that everywhere you live, Coretta, and show up for people so that it can spread and not just be a Georgia thing, right? Like, I'm starting to get a little bit more clarity around my purpose. Just being home, just getting quiet. Just allowing life to come to me. 
and you know my lease is getting ready to be up and I realized and I didn't say this earlier so sorry for telling the story backwards but there was a little bit of pressure even after I left that school you know that offer go it's like all right so I was betting my whole life on that offer I gotta move out in like 30 days I'm at the best apartment I've ever lived in not fully but in terms of technology like no other apartment for a good price has this stuff in Chicago to my knowledge and I'm like, how did I do this to myself? You know, all that, like, fear. And I I had to ask for help. You know, I'm telling you this confession, so I had to get clear about I was hurting and I had unforgiveness in my heart. And then I was trying to take exact vengeance. Number two, you got to let people in. That, that meeting that went off the rails that hurt me really bad, folks stepped in. It might not have been perfect, but folks stepped in. And it showed me, now that I can look back at it, it showed me what I've I've known for a while. I'm ready to be soft. I spent my whole life hard, stoic, all that jazz. I'm ready to be soft again. And I haven't been soft since my childhood. Because that's when my softness was stolen. Having to grow up too fast, that happened in my childhood. And so, I want my leadership to be soft. I'm not about to respond to every fight I'm called to. I'm not about to prove myself to those people who don't even believe in me. This reflection and getting clear about this confession on this unforgiveness, I don't owe them people who have probably tried to rip me apart nothing. But I do owe those folks that maybe I can influence. And I do owe myself to be the type of leader and woman that I want to be, whatever that means. And I got to let people in in order to do it because I can't do it by myself. It's too big of a task. Um, and you've all heard me in other episodes say, don't live life on your own, but stoic, black, strong schema, superhero me. Yeah. I had to hear my own messages several times, um, because the life I want involves other people, but my go-to is to push people away when I perceive hurt, when I think it may find me or when like some form of rejection or abandonment shows up. Mm -mm, That's the time I need to run further into people who are trustworthy and can make space for me. Um, Last confession. Assertiveness. Getting clear on what I want and just even realizing, like, I'm not the same person anymore. Like, I've been trying to get back to Georgia forever, but it's like, Georgia ain't even the same Georgia no more. Atlanta ain't even the same Atlanta anymore. It's okay. But what that means is, all right, so now that you know that, what do you want to do? And it's going to take you time. And that's what my old uh, mentor and leadership consultant told me. I've outgrown where I'm at and what I do in my role. I've outgrown probably some folks that I let go in 2020 and 2019. I've outgrown even more people that I've walked away from in 2021. I've outgrown the positions that were probably calling me and I had to say no, even if I never held that role before. I've outgrown any older version. It's like Zoom. About every 30 or 60 days, Zoom be having an update, an upgrade, a newer version. That's how exponential my growth has been and I got to respect it. And it's okay if I look up and I don't recognize who I am. I just got to give her space to do what she needs to do. And that's where I am right now. I'm realizing that, you know, everything that I named for you, let me tell you what it really is. This is my true confession. 
I've been living in Chicago. I've been in Chicago, but I act like I work in Chicago and live in Georgia. Dad can't continue. Um, I didn't know my values had changed. Like, it's important for me to be in a state and work for an employer that takes COVID seriously and provides support. Like, case in point, we just got self-test. So I'm in Georgia. I took my self-test yesterday, and I'm going to take another self excuse me, self-test before I go see my family because I want to be sure that I'm keeping them safe and myself safe because I've just traveled from Chicago. But I'm realizing that it's important to me and it's a value to me to have a governor and a mayor, no matter what I think about all their policies, like it matters to me what Prisker has done. This is not political in anything. I feel relatively where I need to be in Chicago on a unaware. Like I'm coming into awareness that in terms of what, where I, what I need, the resources, what I have, Chicago is more than a place that I work. It's a place that I'm starting to build roots and I'm starting to thrive. And I'm at my so what of my confession, right? And so what is probably a part two. I got to start leaning in and I'm doing that. I'm continuing reflection. I'm having accountability about my thoughts. Um, I'm starting to actually like my energy has shifted in terms of work. And I, three weeks ago, it wasn't here. This is like recent of two weeks. Probably a jumbled confession, folks. But looking back and letting all that heaviness in my heart and the pain that was inflicted on me. My phoenix is rising back up. And she ain't going to be the same bird that she was before. She's going to be something different. And I'm learning it's okay to start over or hit a reset or re-admit. And it's also okay to realize your values have changed. Because that's what, that's what this reflection of Chicago is a place that I'm starting to thrive. That means my values have changed. And I'm finding what I need in Chicago even though it's not exactly the way that I would prefer it to be, even though the weather's not what I prefer it to be, even though the communities are still super segregated, even though I don't have the same kind of community I have when I'm in Georgia where people wave at you because, you know, they want to wave at you and they're courteous and they're hospitable and they make you feel like you're one of their family members. It's a different kind of community in Chicago and I'm embracing that I can build that Georgia fill up wherever I go if I so choose. And so, Red or Rainbow here, signing off for Sister Love. Like Usher, these have been my Summer 21 confessions. Will you share yours? I'm going to be reaching out to some friends really, really soon to see if I can get them on for some of their summertime confessions and see if we as women identified folks can't share some substantial things that help us and inspire us to continue the course no matter how easy or tough, um, accept life's challenges, and take life head on. Anyway, sister love, glad having you here for this episode. See you next time. Be well to yourself. Be good to those around you.